Okay, let's all stand together and we're going to read from God's word together this morning from Job chapter 42. Beginning in verse 1, going through verse 6. And then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can ever be thwarted. And you ask, who is it that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely, I spoke of things I didn't understand, things that were too wonderful for me to know. And you said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Let's say our scripture declaration together today. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. You can be seated. Very quickly, I just want to give you a quick heads up. Next week, we have Father's Day. And I have a very special gift and uh, that kind of thing for our fathers and a drawing. We'd love for you to be here and be a part of that. So please be here for Father's Day. And then the week after that, we are going to be starting a brand new series and something that I always tend to do during the summer. We're going to do a character study and it's called Prince of Egypt. It's about Moses, the man and the myth. And I believe those both will be a great blessing to you, whoever you are and whatever situation you're in. So please be here these next couple weeks. And then I'm going to turn it over to Peter and he's going to share from Job chapter 42 with us today. Peter. Awesome. All right. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. Good morning, church. How many of you guys are going through storms right now? Big ones, small ones, medium-sized ones? Anybody going through storms? Maybe I'm the only one, right? Maybe I'm the only one doing it. You know, we all go through a lot of storms in our lives, and in reality, if you look at the last week of your life, I guarantee you every person in here has went to, through some type of storm in some form or another. And so, the title of my sermon today is called, Don't Miss Your Job Moment. Don't Miss Your Job Moment. How did I come up with that title? Well, many of you guys know I used to go to the church about a couple of years ago, moved to Shiner. And, you know, 2021 was a tough year for many of us. Uh, for me, 2021 was a really tough year. I was in a storm for most of 2021, all of 2021, actually. And that storm was going through a divorce. Now, I'm not sure how many of you guys have been through a situation like that, uh, and I can tell you my sympathy level of someone going through a divorce has heightened so much by going through it myself. Uh, what I mean by that is when you go through a divorce and you go through a process like that, for me at least, there are a lot of people impacted. I'm dealing with my emotions. I'm dealing with my kids, 
I'm dealing with legal issues. I'm dealing with financial issues. You're dealing with trying to figure out how do you keep your job going with all these things going on. And I can tell you it becomes very, very overwhelming. You feel like you're right in the eye of the storm. Well, what I would also say is during that time, you as a person is trying to do whatever you can to get out of that storm. You'll fight in all different types of ways. You'll try to use all your intellect. You'll try to use all your might. You'll try to use everything you have to get out of that storm. And I fortunately stayed close enough to God where I never turned my back on him. I questioned him. I had arguments and fights with God. And, you know, there were times where I feel like I drove close to him because I just needed him. I had nowhere to go. And there are other times where I felt like, you know, I was just trying to just get by with everything going on in life. And so I'll tell you a little bit more about the story a, a little bit later in this sermon. But um, what I would say is I'm out of that storm now. And being out of that storm taught me a lot. Being in the storm taught me a lot. Being out of the storm taught me even more. And that's why I want to share with you guys today a little bit about Job, all right? Now, the story of Job, we all know it. So, I, you know, it's interesting when I prepare for a sermon, I go through and put all this stuff together, and then I start really going too much detail. And I decide not to go too much detail into the story of Job, because I think everybody understands the story of Job, at least on a surface level, all right? So let's talk about Job a little bit. Job was a man. He was a wealthy man. He was a righteous man, according to God. And when I say he was wealthy, he was very wealthy. You know, think about at that time, Job had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, along with 10 children. So Job was doing pretty well. So he was expected in a community. He was doing well. Again, Job was a blameless guy in the sight of God's eyes. However, one day in the heavenly realms... Satan and God had a conversation, and Satan felt like that. The only reason that Job actually is worshiping God and putting God first is because God is blessing him with so much abundance. And he felt that if you take that away from Job, Job would turn his back on God. So what happens? God allows Satan to go and take everything away from Job outside of uh, taking his life. So next thing you know, in a single day, Job's life was destroyed. Turned upside down. When I think about last year for me, that's how I felt. My life was turned upside down. In a single day, his life was turned upside down. He lost all his children. He lost all his, his animals and cattle and all that, all his wealth. He lost everything. And you know what Job did? Job said, you know what? I'm going to go and cut my hair off and, you know, tear his clothes and be probably a little angry about it but then say, you know what? I'm still going to bless God. I'm still going to bless God because, you know what? I'm still here, first of all. Right? So that's what Job did. Then the story goes on where now Satan comes back and says, hey, you know what? Give me another shot at this. And so what Satan decides to do, and God gave him a shot, Satan decided to make Job's health go away. So now he not only lost everything, now he's lost all his health. So he got boils all on his skin and diseases everywhere, barely even making it. 
still alive, but barely even making it. Now, you can imagine being in that kind of situation. You lost everything, now your, your health is deteriorating. To the point where Job's own wife told him, hey, you know what? You need to curse God and you just, just give up and die. Think about that, right? That's how bad it was. But Job, you know, he still said, you know what? Nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay in it. I'm going to stay in it. He's going through the storm right now, right? Job is going through that storm. So then what happens when you go through a storm? All of a sudden you have all the people around you want to talk about things, right? I can tell you, as I went through my storm last year, I had so many people wanting to talk about things that I started cutting people off because you just felt overwhelmed. You hear one person here, one person there, one person here. And some people had, you know, goodness of their heart, wanted to tell you the right things and was trying to figure it out. But the reality is, is that so many people were telling you so many different stories, you didn't know what to believe. Right? Everybody's giving their own perspectives, their own advice, and so forth like that. So guess what happened with Job? Job's three friends come along, and they sit with him for seven days, you know, in silence. I'm talking, that's pretty cool. I don't think I could do that. But they sat with him for seven days in silence, and then after that, Job started complaining first. Right? So let's not act like Job was doing everything right. Nobody, you know, anybody going through a storm is going to struggle. Job started complaining first and saying, hey, you know what? Why me, God? Why do you put me in this situation? And, you know, I'm, I wish I wasn't even born, right? But his friends start coming back and saying, Job, you know you did something. We don't know what it is, but you did something out there. You know, I don't know if you was at the club last night, if you was doing something. I don't know what Job was doing, but Job was doing something, right? That's how his friends felt. And so what happened? His friends start complaining about it and saying, you need to go and like ask for mercy for God and ask for being back in his favor because God would not do this to you if you was truly righteous to him. God would not put you in this kind of situation if you was truly righteous. And Job kept getting frustrated about it and him and his friends kept going back and forth. And then, you know, Job is, you know, trying to justify himself and saying, hey, you know what? I know that I've been righteous to God. I don't understand it. He's trying to figure it out. He's questioning God about it. And then another four, four friend come in, the younger one. He comes in later on. Like, the whole book is about these friends, actually. Like, in some ways, you're like, all right, they're talking too much. Because, like, majority of the book is about the friends' conversations with Job, right? But ultimately, what happens is, is the four friend comes in, and he basically uh, reinforced what the other friends were saying. And said, Job, you know, you must have done something wrong. Ultimately, what happened is Job started to question God a lot. And to the point where God started to, you know, start, God, God got frustrated. And what did God do? God came to Job. At some point, God comes to Job. And ultimately, God responds with rhetorical questions. Intended to basically show how little Job actually understands how powerful God is. God is asking him questions about, do you even understand how this world was created? Do you even understand how snow comes from the ground? Do you understand the animals I've created? God started asking Job these questions because what he was showing Job is that you are trying to figure out how I think and what I do. But you can't even get there because you're, you have this mind that is not a, of a God mind, not at a, a level that I can actually think at. What are you trying to do, Job? 
right? You're questioning me? So ultimately, this, you know, this becomes a challenge. But God explains to Job this, and Job starts to realize something. And this is a very important point here. Job becomes overwhelmed by the encounter with God. Job acknowledges God's unlimited power and amidst his limitation in his own human knowledge. At that point, you know, God was pretty pleased with Job, even though he wasn't happy with his friends. Uh, his friends had to repent. Ultimately, God gave Job double of what he had. Right? Job, at the end of the story, it's like a nice fairy tale story, right? Job goes through this struggle, goes all through these challenges, and then God gives him double of everything he had. So that's the story of Job. That's it. As we know it, that's the story of Job. But what I want to do is dig a little bit deeper, talk about three key points. As I've meditated on this story and reflected on what God has been telling me. One is, point one, our world directly collides with the spiritual world. It seems so simple when I say that, because we kind of gloss by that. We think we live in this physical world, and that's all it is, and we just interact with each other. But there's a lot more going on. You cannot know the reason God allows what you consider as trials and suffering in your life, because our world has a lot of other things going on, things that we can't control, things that we can't even see. How do we know this? If we go back to Job 1, in, in verse 6 and 7, it says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered to the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. What does that mean? Satan is running around here. Let's get it, let's get it straight. There are, there are forces that's running around here, putting things in your mind, putting lies in your mind, creating distractions and creating noise and challenges and chaos. It's out there, and none of us are immune to it. If Job isn't immune to it, because Job was pretty faithful. I'm sorry, if we level up and really rated us against Job, I'm sure he'd probably been up here. We'd probably be down here. I'm saying the dude was faithful. But yet, Satan was still able to go and start doing, playing tricks with him. Why do you think you're, ex you're an exception? We're no exception. We all can be impacted in some form or another from the spiritual forces that's beyond our control. If we read in Ephesians 6:12, it says, "For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's not against us, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness." wickedness in the heavenly places. So we have to, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you to take that as truth. Because if you don't, you will try to justify and rationalize everything, and we do not have the ability to do that. We have to take that as truth. That's from the Word. I didn't make it up. That's what God is telling us. Secondly, 
our second learning here. Our thinking is not equivalent with God. Our thinking is not equivalent with God. And he can, he can lead, this can lead us to getting stuck in that storm or that desert. Remember the Israelites? They got stuck in that desert, right? Our thinking itself, if we think that we understand what's going on and we're trying to make the decisions and trying to get out of the storm with our own thinking, we're going to get stuck in that storm. And it's so important to understand that our thinking is very, very weak. Why is that? Y'all know these things called biases? We all have biases. All of us. When you think you don't, you have enough bias. Right? So we all have biases. Right? You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I'll give you a simple example. You, you guys ever heard of like, uh, there's this bias called the illusionary truth effect. What's the illusionary truth effect? It's where a message sounds so true because it's repeated often. You hear the same thing over and over and over. All your friends kind of giving you the same kind of thing. Well, I'm going to start probably believing that. You hear it on the news, on social media, and everybody's saying it. You start believing it. Think about how crazy it is. It is so simple for our minds to just fall into that trap because our minds see patterns. And when we keep hearing the same thing over and over, we start familiarizing ourselves with it, and we start believing that's what's actually happening today. You know, um, if you think about this effect, it shows how, you know, they've, they've shown how students who um, hear about evolutionary origin stories uh, repeated in their classes from grade school all the way up to here, they may find it really, they start finding it increasingly hard to resist believing those stories despite they knowing it's not true. You start believing it. You start saying, oh yeah, evolution, yeah. I don't want to believe it, but it's in my mind somewhere. This is how weak our minds are, guys. And we have to know that when we're trying to justify things and trying to figure out these storms we're in and why we're in them, we don't control that. And when we try to do that, all we do is get ourselves stuck. We get ourselves stuck. In Psalms 94, uh, verse 11, it says, The Lord knows human thoughts, that they are mere breath. God know that, you know what? He know what our thoughts are, and he know that we're all over the place. And we don't know what we're talking about. And we have to be okay with understanding that we are human. You know, in most of the story with Job and his friends, they try to explain the nature of God from a, a human lens. But, you know, in Job 38.2, God says, who is this who darkens the divine plan by words without knowledge? I have a plan, a divine plan, and now you're trying to figure out what my divine plan is or tell me it's something different, and you have no knowledge of even understanding it. Who are you to do that? Again, our thinking is not equivalent with God. We have to know that. We go through storms, we have to know that. Number three, our blessings are not determined by circumstances. 
This is a big one, guys. I tell you, I learned all this stuff, man, in the last year, and this just changed my way of thinking about things. Our blessings are not determined by circumstances. You know, the, do- the dominant theme in Job is this whole difficulty of understanding why God allows good people to suffer. Bad people go off and be successful and things go off and we see it in this world, right? And all of a sudden you see good people suffering. Our blessings, we, we look for our blessings to be related to something in this human world and we don't get that. That's not how God made it. That's not how God intended it to be. But I'll tell you what God does say about blessings. If we go and look at Jeremiah 7, 17, 7, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Proverbs 16, 20 states, One who pays attention to the word will find good, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Psalms 34, 8 states, Taste and see the Lord, that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in the Lord. Think about these verses. What is God telling us there? God isn't saying, blessed is the person who, do my, who just walk in the way that they think they're doing good. God isn't saying that. God isn't telling us, hey, you know what? When you get that new job, that's a blessing for you. He didn't tell us that. We think it's a blessing because I got the new job. We think it's a blessing because we got a new person in our lives. We think it's a blessing because, you know, um, we just got a big pay raise or bonus. We don't know what a blessing is. We don't know what a blessing is. In in Matthew 5.10, it says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So think about that. This is the, 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 the irony of it. This verse is telling us, if I'm persecuted to fulfill God's glory, then guess what? I'm going to be blessed. We don't think of it like that. Now, if you start to think of it like the word says, what does that mean? When I'm going through trials, I got a blessing on the other end. When I'm in that storm and I'm following God's will and I'm trusting in God, I got a blessing on the other end. It's really important to understand this. There's this uh, Chinese proverb. I want to read this Chinese proverb to you guys. The Chinese proverb says, it goes something like this. A farmer and his son had a beloved stallion who helped the, farm, the family earn a living. One day, the horse ran away. And the neighbors exclaimed, your horse ran away. What terrible luck. The farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. A few days later, the horse returned, leading a few wild mares back to the farm as well. The neighbors shouted out, your horse has returned and brought several horses home with him. What great luck you have. The farmer replied, maybe so. Maybe not. We'll see. Later that week, the farmer's son was trying to break in one of the Mars, and she threw him to the ground, breaking his leg. The villagers cried, your son broke his leg. What terrible luck. Oh, man. And the farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. 
We'll see. A few weeks later, soldiers from the National Army marched throughout the town, recruiting all able-bodied boys for the, the army. They did not take the farmer's son still recovering from the injury. The battle left most dead or severely injured. Friends shouted, your boy is spared. What tremendous luck. To which the farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. The moral of this story is, of course, that no event in itself can truly be judged as a blessing or a misfortune, but that only God knows the whole story. Only God knows the whole story. Let's stop trying to be God. Like we're trying to, we're trying to analyze things like we, we have this divine inter, intuition or whatever. I'm not saying God didn't bless someone with a spiritual gift for that, but not all of us. So we have to understand that God has a plan for us, but are we trusting him or are we trying to trust ourselves? How often do you place your full trust in the Lord when your circumstances are unfavorable? Better yet, why should you? Why should you place your faith in the Lord when your circumstances are unfavorable? The answer to this question is what I consider is your Job moment. Now, I feel like this is a secret. Like, y'all should be, like, getting ready to, like, what is the Job moment, right? Because, to me, the answer to this question is that Job moment. So, what is the big takeaway from the story of Job? I want to go back to the verses that Pastor had read. Job 42, 1-6. It says... Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of these things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but my eyes have now seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. I believe this moment is Job's Job moment. This is the moment that changed everything for Job. This is when Job realized that only God is in control. This is when Job realized that only God is in control. So what's the big idea here? What is the big idea? What is your Job moment? It's recognizing and embracing God's sovereignty. Simple as that. It's recognizing and embracing God's sovereignty. When we're going through trials, no matter how big they are, no matter how large, small, daily trials, it's all about recognizing God's sovereignty. God is sovereign. He's the one in control. It's not us. 
is him. What does being sovereign means? Well, it means being the ultimate source of all power, authority, and everything that exists. Only God can make those claims. Therefore, it's God's sovereignty that makes him superior to all other gods and makes him and him alone worthy to be worshipped. Do you believe that God is a sovereign God? You have to ask yourself that internally. Because if you do, then why aren't you giving it to him? Why aren't you abiding in him versus trying to take control of it yourself? So let's look at what the word says about sovereignty and God's sovereignty. Let's start with Revelation 21.6. It says, then he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created, not some, but all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Romans 11.33 states, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Jeremiah 32.17, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your great outstretched arms. Nothing is too difficult for you. And last one I want to call out is Psalms 103.19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. His sovereignty rules over all. That includes you, me, and everyone else. If we embrace God's sovereignty, then we'll walk in the Spirit towards his will. That's your Job moment. So when do you use it? When, do you, when, do you, when is your Job moment available for you? Right now. Right now. It's available at all times. It's all about you recognizing who is in control. All right. So I talked enough. Now I want to talk about what do we do with that? Right. Hopefully everybody got something out of it, but what do we do with it now, right? How do you capture your Job moment? How, you know, it's easy to say, I capture your Job moment, you know, drive, drive towards God's sovereignty, but how do you actually practically capture that? I want to introduce to you guys a guy named John Piper. John Piper, uh, he is uh, a pastor. Uh, he's also, um, he has a, a podcast, he has a, a website called Desiring God. If you have not listened to John Piper's stuff, I encourage you to do it. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, I think our, 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 uh, this morning uh, I started a new uh, devotional series. It's a John Piper devotional series. The one I did two or three weeks ago was another one that I know a couple of you guys liked a lot. And I can tell you, um, I've learned a lot from John Piper. It's very biblical-based, and um, that's what I really love about 
about uh, listening to him. But one of the things John Piper talks about is how do you have practical steps to walk by faith? How do you walk in faith? And he has this thing called APTAT, A-P-T-A-T. And it basically is a way, a practical way of being able to make sure you're standing your Job moment. It starts with admit, then pray, trust, act, and thank. I'm going to talk through each of these because I want to give you a better understanding of what they are. And if you don't know it, take some notes or go to John Piper's site, Desiring God, or just put in Aptac in Google and you'll learn about it. Um, so let's, let's start the first one, A, admit. Admit you can do nothing without God. That's the first thing. You can do nothing without God. That's the first thing you have to admit to. I cannot do anything without God. I need him for everything. Nothing is, is possible without God. If you go to, um, uh, if we look at John uh, 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in, in him bears much fruit. From apart, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Very clear. We need God for everything we have. But everything we do, he provides, he's our source. Secondly, pray for help. We must pray for help. Call upon me on a day of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will honor me. I will rescue you, and you will honor me. God has given us a communication channel for him, and that's through prayer. If you're not praying every day, who are you trusted in? I know there's somebody out here right now that did not pray over the last 24 hours. And if you're not praying, who are you trusting in? I'm challenging you because I want you to understand how important it is to have a relationship with God. How important it is when you're in that storm, you don't have to be in it alone. But if you're not even praying to him and talking to God, you, you're creating that storm, that prolonged storm and agony for yourself. You have to be talking to God daily, throughout the day, every minute if possible. Third, trust a specific promise. This is important. Trust a specific promise. This third one, trust, is the most important one. It's the most important one out of the five. It's the most important one. Why is that? It's because if we're not putting our trust in God, no matter what we do, we're not going to get out of the storm we want to be in. We're not going to be following his will. We're not going to be making sure we build upon the kingdom of heaven. We must put our trust in God. And God has given us all these promises, but yet we still struggle today to put our trust in Him. Let's read what that, what that says in uh, 2 Chronicles 20, 20. It says, put your trust in God and the Lord your God, and you will endure. Put your trust in His prophets and succeed. You know, I think about specific promise. 
What is the specific promise? How do you approach that? You having a problem, or are you trying to figure... It don't even have to be a problem. I talk about it like you got to be a problem. It could be, you know what, you're working through something. Right? Before it becomes a problem, you can go and start doing this and walking in God knowing that he's sovereign. And it could be something that looks good, because like I said, we don't know what a blessing is or not. So you want to walk with God all the time. But how do you put your trust in him? Practically. There's various Bible verses out there where God has made promises to us. And one way that I would suggest is that you're going through something and you need God to come in. What do we do first? We admit that we need God for everything. Secondly, I pray and say, God, I need your help here. And thirdly, you know what I do? I find a verse to to anchor on. Find a verse for that specific situation to anchor on. That is key. Anybody recall what I said when I first got up here? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. That verse is my anchor verse for doing this sermon right now. This morning, in my, after my two hours of sleep, got up at four something, and I said, okay, God, I know I have to get up here today and, and, and preach, and I don't want to say anything that you don't want me to say. I want to speak out of your spirit. I can't do that, God. Peter can't do that. I don't know what to do. And I said, God, I need you. I need you right now because I don't know what to do. And I said, God, I need an anchor verse of your promises because right now I don't know what to do. And so then I proceeded. I said, God, I'm about to open up my devotion app. This is my other devotion app. And I opened that up, and this was the verse. God gave me that verse for today. And you know what? I, I said, so how do I do that? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll fulfill my heart's desires. My heart's desire is that I want to speak your word, Lord, not my own. I want to be able to say what you want me to say and to speak, allow you to speak through me. So I said, all I can do right now, Lord, all I can do is delight in you. So this morning, that's all I've been doing. I've been delighting in God. I've been thinking about all the various things God has done for me. Like, I am so fulfilled with all the blessings God has around me. I'm so fulfilled with the many things. I start thinking about my kids being able to go to camp. I got two daughters about to go and graduate, and they about to go, they got, you know, going to Miami to go to school. I'm thinking about all the people in my life God has had in my life that are so good people and good friends, good family. And I just say, you know, I'm just delighting the Lord. He'll make all this other stuff work out. He'll make it all work out. Some of y'all know I was having a a throat problem too. Look, all gone, right? That's what God does. God takes care of it all, right? So like, I'm worried about other things, but I say, you know, I'm gonna stop worrying about it and just delight in him. That was my anchor verse, guys. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Find an anchor verse. Not one you always have. Like, next time I have something, I'm gonna have something else later probably. I'm about to have a different anchor verse. Right? I'm sorry, God, what do, you need, what do I need to hear from you? What promise do I need to hold on to? A couple of other verses. I'm just going to call out some for you guys to at least understand where I'm going here. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am God, your God. I will strengthen you. 
I will help you. I would uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a promise. Fear not. I got you. It's a promise. That could be an anchor verse for you. Another anchor verse could be Isaiah 64, 4. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. That's an anchor verse. I don't know what to do, God. God's just saying, just wait. I got you. I got you. Just sit and wait. Just sit and wait. Don't, don't do anything else. Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply all needs according to his riches in the glory in Christ Jesus. I don't have to worry about nothing. I'm worried about the bills. I can't pay. I can't pay my bills. Stop worrying. Find that anchor verse and allow yourself to walk in God. Right? We're talking about having that Job moment. You got to do this to get to that Job moment. Right? Um, uh, uh, what's the next one? Um, Psalms 23.6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is telling us, that's a promise, goodness and mercy will follow you. He didn't say you won't be in any storms. He's saying goodness and mercy will follow you, though. If you hold on to my promises, they'll follow you. If you trust me, they'll follow you. In Jeremiah 29.1, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Mm. I just turn all that right back around to Job, right? God already got his plans. He already know what he's doing. We're worried. We're anxious. We're freaking out about things. But God is telling us he knows our plans already. And his plans is like not to harm us. He didn't say we weren't going to go through anything, but he said, my plans, holistically, my plan for you, your storyline, I got you. Believe in it. I got you. God is trying to tell us something, guys. God is trying to tell us something. I think about what my anchor verse was last year. There was one verse that really helped me last year. And that verse was from Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I can tell you, I've been so, like when I, and I, I try not to tear up because I think about what God has done for me in my life. Like, I know God has called me for a purpose. I wouldn't be here right now if God didn't call me for a purpose. God has helped me get out of so many little situations in my life from birth to now. And I, I've always said God has favored me because, and what I realized, it wasn't that God has favored me. God has a purpose for me. His plan is already mapped out. I can try to change anything. His plan is already mapped out for me. And I held on to that verse and it's very interesting because as I held on that verse, I realized how it changed the whole dynamics of last year for me. Yeah, I was in a storm. It was probably longer than I wanted to be in it. But God sought me through it. And he brought me out on the other end to the promised land. You know, I think about our lives. They're like microcosms of, of the Israelites going in the desert. All these Deserts, desert walks we have to go in. And we can keep walking in circles and walking in circles and never get out of it. Or we could get out of it by trusting in Him. Our trust. I spent a little time on that one because that's the most important one, guys. It's the most important one. 
We must find the promises we're going to hold on to and trust God and walk in those promises. Four, we got to act. Act in faith. We got to act in faith. It says in Philippians 2, 12, 13, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. For it is God who works in you. This is important because at the end of the day, we cannot be successful if we're not acting in God's will. We cannot be successful if we're not focusing on the promises God has made and take a step. We will not get out of that storm. We'll keep walking around in that desert unless we're willing to take that step and walk in God. So it's not just sitting here talking about it, but it's acting on it, walking in those promises. Five, thank God for his provision and goodness. Psalms 106.1 says, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. We must thank God for all the things he's given us. Every time God does something in your life, you should be praising him. Giving glory to our king, our sovereign God. That's what we're here for, guys. And when we thank God, it pleases God too. Because we're showing that we didn't do it ourselves. Sometimes God steps in and then we try to take credit for it. Look what I did. I got up here and did my preaching today. It sounded good, didn't it? No. Like, that's not what it's about. It's about God. If we miss that, if we miss that, we're going to miss our, our next blessing. We must bless God for what he's done for us. He is pouring down blessings to each and every one of us each and every day. But if, we are, if we're so into ourselves, we don't see it, we're going to miss blessing him. So, you know, what does that lead me to? That leads me to um, just really a story. I want to talk about a story. Uh, what was it? About um, two, a couple of days ago, Thursday, I had an opportunity, had an opportunity to be a part of a group. Uh, it's first time is a, like a group that's like 12 people and it's like a board for like leaders and companies. And it's a, it's a Christian type group where they're focused on, it's men who are focused on how do you really strengthen each other, sharpen each other's iron. And so you meet monthly and so forth like that for an ent- entire day. It's up in New Braunfels. So it's my first, you got to like get jo- joined in by someone else. And it was my first one going to it. And it was pretty cool to be able to be a part of it. But um, the one thing that was very interesting is they were holding each other accountable and things like that and talking about opportunities for everybody to get better. But at the end of it, the uh, leader of the group, um, I noticed there were buffaloes everywhere. I was like, what are all these buffaloes? I, was, I, didn't, I just saw it as like squishy buffaloes all on the tables, right? I didn't know what they were. I just thought they were there, right? To maybe like little things to play with or something. But at the end, uh, you know, leader group said, hey, you know what, what these buffaloes stand for? And I didn't really know. I was like, okay, so it's cool to hear the story about the buffalo. 
said one of the most important or fascinating characteristics about the buffalo is how they react in a storm and when a storm is coming. While cows, they go and scatter all over the place and run away from the storm and they end up running with the storm and they prolong the pain and the agony of being in that storm. The buffalo take the storm ahead on, so they go straight through the storm, traveling directly in its path, and they get out on the other end much quicker. And it's a natural thing, I guess, that happens, right? But it was very interesting to see the difference in how a buffalo approached the storm versus a cow, right? The symbolism of this majestic buffalo heading directly into the storm is very fitting when you think about this message that we're talking about today. And the reason I said that is, you know, it's interesting reminder of how we confront storms in our lives. Do you confront storms like a cow or a buffalo? Right? We all know that the worst thing we can do when we confront a major challenge is run from a storm. Run from the challenges in our lives. How do you deal with that today in your life? Are you running from it? Are you running with it? You run from it trying to get away at the beginning, and then you all of a sudden you're right in it, and you just keep going along with it, and you never get out because you're trying everything you can do from your own might, and you're suffering. I know for a fact somebody's in a storm today in this room right now, a tough storm. You got to ask yourself, how are you approaching that storm today? Are you using your own might and your own control to approach that storm? Are you allowing God to see you right through it? Are you trusting in God? Are you believing his promises? There's an opportunity for each and every one of us to have a deeper foundation of faith with Christ. Even when we think we got it, you can go deeper. We all could. I think about, you know, the, the journey that I went on last year, and I think about how it ended up. So, as I said, there were so many different moving parts. Uh, it was financially draining because I was t- with lawyers and lawyers and lawyer fees. It was like constant and dealing with legal issues. And I had an opportunity to get to a point in uh, November, I think it was beginning of November, was going to be the, uh, or maybe end of October, was going to be the uh, final hearing for, for a divorce. And it was very tense. I'm talking about dealing with so many things legally, and it was just insane. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to use everything I can. So I'm using my lawyers. I'm trying to think through these things. I've spent a lot of time, energy, and effort. And I realized I'm doing a lot myself just to try to keep, keep ahead of this thing, right? And I just want to get it over with now because it's been almost a year now. So I'm like, I just want to get it over with. And what was crazy was just about a week before we were supposed to have the trial, 
the judge said that he couldn't be there and he canceled it. Oh, you don't even understand how it made me feel. I was mad. I probably cursed then. I don't even curse. I don't think I, I don't think I, I rarely, I don't think, I don't think I curse. Maybe I did. You never know. But I was mad. I know I was very mad, right? And because um, it's like, man, you think about all that you're going through and just want to get it over with. And now it's like, and now it's like you can't go anywhere. I'm sorry, I went through so many settlement offers and trying to do settlement after settlement after settlement. Nothing could get anywhere. And I was just like, let's just have the court here and let's get it over with. And now you waste all the money with prepping. You waste like, everything. I was just like, this is crazy, right? So I just feel like it was just a bad, bad point. It's like when things just slumped down. But also at that time, something happened. At that time, I remember praying to God. And I remember telling God, you know what? I don't care anymore. I'll just give it to you. Whatever it is, it's going to be. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. I literally stopped even caring about talking to my lawyer. I said, I don't want to talk to my lawyer no more. She called, I just ignored. I didn't want to deal with it anymore. I was done. I was just done. I just wanted to make sure I was taking care of my kids in the right way. I was doing what I could do at my job, and I was done trying to figure out the rest of it. And things just went silent for like two months. It's kind of weird. Like everything went silent, and I was actually at a peace. I felt this peace with the kids, the calmness with myself. It was just this peace that I felt. And what's interesting was in January, beginning of January, so oh, we're going to have a court case. It's back on at the end of January now. And I remember my lawyer called me and said, we got to start prepping. We got to start prepping. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. She told me I had to do all this stuff for like the week. There was like a week, the first week of January. And somehow things came up. I just didn't do any of it. So then she called me the next week, said, hey, you made any progress? I said, nope, sorry. And, and then I just felt I was sitting there, and I remember God just talking to me. And I was like, is that me talking to myself, or is it God talking to me? Prompting me to basically write this letter. And I was like, maybe this is me. But if I do this, it can actually backfire on me. And I even remember before I actually sent the letter off, I had a couple of friends read it. And they was like, Peter, you sure you want to do that? I said, I don't know. But I feel like God is actually telling me to do this, so I'm going to do it. And that letter changed everything. That letter changed everything because I can tell you we never had a court hearing. A settlement happened, and the settlement was better than the first settlement that I even offered and the last settlement. <laughs> It was better than every settlement that was possible. So it didn't even, the whole outcome made no human logical sense. I can't even explain it still to this day. But what I can tell you is this. I gave it to God. And I remember Pastor even telling me, I don't know if Pastor remembered this conversation, but I remember him saying, before everything ended, I remember him saying, well, maybe that's, you know, God wanted to, you know, he, he, he delayed it for a reason, and it's going to work out in your favor, he told me. And I was like, you know, never know. But I was just, at that point, I was like, I just didn't care. I was done. I just gave it to God because I was, like, literally done. But the point is that it worked out in a way that was impossible for it to work out. That's only God. What I'm trying to tell you is God's timing is God's timing. God works just like Job. Job didn't want to be in all that pain for all that time. He didn't want to go through that suffering for all that time. But look what happened on the other end. We want to rush things and work on our timeline and do it our way. Doing that does not help us out. 
we have to start listening what God is telling us to do. And I can tell you, I'm a I'm living witness and testimony that God works, God listens, God does not break his promises. He is always there, always there, if you allow him to come in. We all, we all face small and large storms every day, each and every one of us do. My encouragement is that you don't run, you don't avoid it, you don't hope it go away, just mystic, mysteriously go away. You take it head on, and you capture your Job moment by incorporating the five things we talked about. Admit, pray, trust, act, and thank God. We do those things, and we capture our Job moment, then you will see the Holy Spirit moving and God's glory in front of you, behind you, all around you, and within you. Lord Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord Father, today for just being a sovereign God. Being a God who loves us, who has mercy for us, who wants us to be able to achieve everything that you desire for in our lives. I thank you, Lord Father, and worship you for knowing more than anything, anything possible could know, for having all power and all might, for loving us, <laughs> sinners who constantly go against your will, yet you still love us. We ask you, Lord, to put in our hearts an ability to come to you first, not second, not last, first. In all our problems, every moment of the day, the ability to put our trust in you. Change our hearts and change our minds, Lord, Lord so that we can see you more and see less of us. Lord, as we leave today, we ask you to help us understand that our blessings come from you and our blessings are based on our trust for you. Help us see things differently in this world and help us continue, Lord Father, to build your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. So very quickly before we kind of leave this moment, if you would just take just one additional brief brief time and just remain with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and just give us an opportunity to just share around what the lord is doing and speaking to you i'm not going to linger so i don't want you to allow this moment to just go by or waste this time waste this opportunity to respond to what God might be speaking to you. But maybe somebody here today is in the midst of the storm and you've been running what you thought was from that storm, but maybe running right in the middle of it and staying right in that place for even longer because you haven't had the courage to just stay strong and face it head on. But maybe that is you and you have been challenged 
and you have been reminded that it is God that will carry you through this storm. And you want to just simply lift your hand as an acknowledgement that that is your plan. That as you leave today, you will take this storm head on and that you will give this to the Lord and allow his power to be the thing that is going to bring you through. Do you want to just simply lift your hand very quickly? May God bless you. May God bless you as well and you. Thank you. May God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Every one of y'all that has lifted your hand, thank you. I'm just going to say a very, very short prayer over you. Heavenly Father, those who have lifted their hands, uh, stories and stories and stories that each hand represents. And you know everyone intimately and even better than we know them ourselves, even though we are the ones in the midst of the storm. But Lord, may our eyes be lifted from what we see and think we know to see to the one who knows all and who is doing something in us and for us and through us, even in the midst of our storm. We trust you. We've trusted self far too long. It's probably the thing that's got us in the midst of it to the very beginning. And so right now, we just want to turn over that trust to you and allow you to work and you to be the one who shows us the way. May your power be seen in us and may we, your children, be faithful to come back and thank you, not only to you, but to all those who will listen. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone together said... Amen.